Before we get into this episode, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love our show, please scroll down to the review section of your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star rating. If you have a few more seconds, please also leave us a review telling us what you like most about our show. We read every single one of these and we appreciate them so much. This will also help us grow and get into the ears of those who love true crime and food as much as you do. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to Unsavory where true crime meets food. Hi, everyone. I'm Becca. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to Unsavory. Today, we are covering the story of the real-life Grinch who stole Christmas. It's not a crime per se, but definitely a scandal if you love Christmas as much as we do. For almost 30 years, Cuba's former president, Fidel Castro, banned all Christmas celebrations in the country. And his reasoning had everything to do with Cuba's biggest food export. Or at least that's what he claimed. I feel like I say this nearly every time you tell a story, but (laughs) I can't believe I've never heard of this. 30 years of no Christmas is some serious Grinch behavior. I know. It's the Grinchiest. And I agree. Like having your, like, the right to religious expression and like the right to celebrate a holiday taken away from you is awful. But the fact that we didn't really know much about it beforehand is almost more awful (laughs) because it happened within our lifetime. Like we were, I think, eight years old when Christmas in Cuba was... That's wild. I know. Have you ever been to Cuba? I have. Yes, I have. I went to a resort when I was like 21 and I had a blast. And actually, because you were doing this, 
episode, I went back into like my Facebook photo album archives that are all now private (laughs) and looked at the album from Cuba and we had a blast. It was great. Oh, I'm so envious because I did the exact same thing thinking Mm -hmm. I had all of my Cuba photos on Facebook, but I think it was pre-Facebook for me. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I went in, um, was it grade 12? When did we get on Facebook? Like grade 11, 12. But I don't know if I was like making albums in grade 12. That was a university (laughs) thing. And they're now all private. (laughs) Absolutely loved it there. It was actually my first like tropical vacation. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I ever got a sunburn. Oh, wow. All the way in grade 12. That's amazing (laughs) skin protection. I know. We weren't really like a tropical family. And the Thunder Bay sun is just not that hot. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Anyways, are you ready? I am. Let's do it. The information in this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. If you're interested in medical nutrition therapy or personalized nutrition advice, please talk to a physician or registered dietitian in your area. If you have a history of disordered eating, be advised that nutrition details will be discussed and take the steps you need to protect your recovery journey. All the citations and relevant links for anything mentioned in this episode will be in our show notes on our website, unsavorypodcast.com. This podcast may contain coarse language, mature subject matter, and content of a violent or disturbing nature. Listener discretion is advised. This is an independently produced podcast. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can sign up as a donor through the Patreon link in our bio. If you could rate, review, follow, and share our show with your true crime and food-loving friends, that would really help us out, and we will be forever grateful. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Shout out to my sources for today's episode, which are all listed in the show notes at unsavorypodcast.com. I used a Time Magazine article written by Lily Rothman, an article in Cuba Journal, some New York Times archives, and a personal blog by Angelina Brogan. So for a lot of us, Christmas usually means a few days off from work, family time, gift giving, and lots of delicious food. But for decades, a Latin American country with deep roots in Catholicism was forbidden from celebrating the holiday. Christmas trees and decorations were banned, religious services were canceled, citizens had to go to work and could not even acknowledge the presence of Santa. That's wild. And no Christmas trees is just cruel. My Christmas tree is just over to the left here. And my apartment is officially 200% more cozy now that my tree is up. I just Mm -hmm. love having it up. 
How early do you think is too early, though, for your Christmas tree? Okay, so my sister, she used to work in retail, and she said that the, like, retail rule Mm -hmm. claims that any time before Remembrance Day is too early. Okay. So you have to let, like, November 11th kind of have its moment, and then you can feel free to put your tree up on the 12th. So I've kind of been following that logic ever since. Yeah, I support that. That makes a lot of sense. Anytime post-Remembrance Day, I'd agree, is fair game. Yeah. When did yours go up? Mm, I think two weekends ago, like the 26th of November. That sounds about right for me too. Right on the 12th? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right on the 12th. (laughs) Midnight. (laughs) No, but I agree with the coziness factor. I have my lights on all day when I'm working from home. It's the best. Okay, back to it. In order to understand what led to the cancellation of Christmas in an otherwise Catholic country, we have to look at the revolution that took place in Cuba in the late 1950s. As I have said, Cuba's religious scene was predominantly Catholic pre-evolution, and there was a lot of Spanish influence in their traditions and customs since the country was under Spanish rule for a number of years. Christmas celebrations also reflected this. So on Christmas, there would often be music, a large meal, often consisting of a whole roasted pig with rice, plantain, and black beans. They would drink wine and Spanish apple cider called sidra. Then they would head to midnight mass. And Christmas Day was then usually spent visiting like family and friends. That really sounds like a perfect day. I agree. I really want to get my hands on some of that sidra. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. So in Cuba, there wasn't much emphasis on gift-giving as the area had yet to be impacted by the commercialization of the holiday as we saw in the United States, Canada, and in parts of Europe at this time. But then in the 1950s, everything kind of changed. So Cuba's former president, Fugencio Batista, was a military man and politician. He was elected as president from 1940 to 1944, but then started his life as a dictator a few years later when he canceled the upcoming election and seized power. From my understanding, this decision was heavily backed by the United States. And then Cuba then became profitable for American businesses as well as for organized crime. Havana even became known as the Latin Las Vegas with new casinos and a new international drug port. Many Cubans did not trust Batista for obvious reasons, but opposition to his power was often violently handled. Tensions grew and people began to fear the government. Enter Fidel Castro, a young and energetic lawyer and revolutionary. He was actually planning to run for office in the 1952 election before it was hijacked by Batista. When legal means against Batista's dictatorship were not effective, Fidel Castro organized a rebel group that attempted to attack the Batista government and military. Eventually, it was successful, and in January of 1959, Batista fled Cuba. Wow. I know. There's a lot of violence in this story. Yeah. Merry Christmas. (laughs) I know, it gets better, I think, right? It does. (laughs) Castro then weaseled his way into political power, making promises of reform, the reinstatement of civil and political liberties, and an honest government. 
But as the story goes, once he achieved leadership, he began to instate more radical policies motivated by his anti-American rhetoric. He deemed Cuba to be an atheist nation, stating that communism and Catholicism could not coexist. He saw religion as a tool used by the rich and therefore an enemy of his revolution. He then seized many of the existing American businesses and agricultural estates, leading to tensions between the two countries. At this time in 1959, Castro's government also kiboshed Santa Claus, with the director of culture stating that he is a, quote, recent importation from the U.S. and foreign to our culture, end quote. Cuban children were only to expect presents from the three wise men, and decorations depicting reindeer or Christmas trees were no longer allowed. Any decor had to be made of Cuban materials depicting only traditional Cuban scenes. This meant that the palm tree became the new evergreen fir. Okay, so it feels like it's not so much that he actually canceled Christmas, but he wanted to stop the Americanization of Cuban Christmas. Is that right? As of 1959, yes. And in some ways, I actually like that he made it so that you could only use like Cuban, like yeah. local Cuban materials for decorations and stuff. I I kind of like that element to it. Support local. Yeah, keep things local. Yeah. But he, he did take somewhat of a progression approach in stealing Christmas. You'll see. <laughs> okay. In 1960, Castro made a trade agreement with the Soviet Union, pushing the U.S. to sever diplomatic relations the following year. This led to the Bay of Pigs invasion, where the American government, a.k.a. the CIA, tried to overthrow Castro's new communist government. It was a brief invasion effort that ultimately failed to Cuba's armed forces. The CIA allegedly even tried to poison Castro with cigars spiked in botulism. Uh, This also failed, and as you can imagine, it did not help mend the relationships between the two countries. Wow. This was actually only one of many assassination attempts on his life, many of which were allegedly planned by the CIA. And it's estimated that no fewer than 634 assassination attempts were made to kill Castro. Wow. And none of them were successful. (laughs) That's like an impressive survival rate with that many attempts. And all of this is just because Cuba severed ties with the United States? Well, there was also the Cuban Missile Crisis in, I believe, 1962. So there were kind of like these attacks back and forth for things like land and resources. But yeah, the, the poison cigar incident, though, it was before the missile crisis. So there was just like a lot of angst between the two countries. Yeah, there's a lot of history here. Mm-hmm. I'm just barely scraping the surface here. <laughs> Keeping it light for Christmas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, the severed ties between Cuba and the United States also impacted Cuba's booming sugar industry. At this time, sugar made up 80% of Cuba's foreign exchange earnings. Cuba previously exported most of its sugar harvest to the U.S., at one point making up to about 60% of all sugar imports in North America. But the U.S. pulled out of all trade agreements, including their sugar agreement, in 1960, and the industry was left to find new sugar-importing countries, which actually didn't seem like it was that hard to do. So they signed a trade agreement with the Soviet Union within the same year. And... 
We do talk a lot more about the Soviet Union in our Holodomor episode, so if you are interested in learning more about that, I would recommend checking that one out. After a few years of trying to diversify crops and become more industrialized, the Cuban government realized it wasn't working as they had hoped. In 1963, they decided to dedicate more effort back to the sugar industry, claiming that they would increase productivity to hit a 10 million ton sugar harvest by 1970. And this is literally what is referred to as the 10 million harvest, or Zafra de los Diez Million. I hope I said that right. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) One barrier that they had was that the most productive Time to harvest also fell over Christmas, and people taking time off during this time meant that the harvesting process wasn't as efficient as it could be. I see where this is going. Mm Mm-hmm. So in 1969, Fidel Castro announced that Christmas would be pushed until July. In order to meet the 10 million ton goal he had set, they would have to harvest throughout the holiday season. So Christmas was officially postponed that year. Unfortunately, Cuba did not make the 10 million ton sugar quota that year. They only made it to 8.5 million tons. So they were 1.5 million short of their goal, but it was not for lack of effort. It's estimated that over 350,000 people worked as cane cutters that year, which is a wild number. They even worked through Christmas, which I think is... Huge props to them. Yeah. And it was still one of the best sugar harvests Cuba has ever seen. So definitely still something to be proud of. Yeah, 8.5 million tons is still very impressive. It's a lot of tons, yes. (laughs) Should I do some quick math? I wonder what the tons per person harvested is. 8.5 million divided by... Quick calculation. 24 tons per person. 24 tons per person. Yeah, 24 tons of sugar... Well, wait, I have more questions then because the 10 million tons of sugar cane or like produced refined sugar? Oh, good question. Let's assume it's sugar cane because like (laughs) if it's the refined sugar, that seems unreasonable. I actually think that it was to export, like it was 10 million tons to export. Wow. Okay. So then if that's the case, then that's even more 24 tons of refined sugar per individual that worked as a cane cutter, which is... I can't even imagine the blisters on their hands. Yeah, wild stuff. Okay, so I don't know if this was like a form of punishment or what, but the the following year in 1970, Fidel Castro held a press conference in Havana that lasted over three hours. And in it, he stated that Cuba could not afford the luxury of having fiestas during sugar harvest, period. And with that, he officially stole Christmas. It was no longer a paid holiday, and it wasn't allowed to be publicly celebrated. The only entities allowed to use decorations were hotels so that they could satisfy their tourist customers. Hmm. This period of time is commonly known as Las Navidad Silenciadas, or the silent Christmases. Wow. I feel like the fact that his press conference lasted over three hours shows that a lot of people were like, what the heck are you doing? You can't get rid of Christmas. Yeah, that's pretty heartbreaking. I know. Either lots of questions or he just liked to hear himself talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so now I'm going to read you two quotes I found from two people who lived through the silent Christmases. They didn't share their surnames 
in the interviews that I was reading. And I think this was to protect their families, which is so freaking wild because they're just talking about Christmas. Yeah. One quote from a person named Abel states, My generation, those of us who grew up in the 60s, lived with the myth of Christmas created for us in the stories that our grandparents shared with us, which is nuts. Wow. That's so sad. Some other families, they continued to celebrate Christmas in secret. And so this quote is from Angela. I remember my uncle Antonio gave us a plastic old broken Christmas tree, which we kept hidden. I don't know how he got it. We enjoyed the tree anyway, even though we couldn't light it at night. Oh, that's so sad. I have so many really positive, nice, warm memories from childhood around Christmas. And I just think it's so unfair that suddenly Christmas could be banned in your entire country and generations of kids would be without those holiday memories. Mm -hmm. It's just so sad. And all to meet a sugar quota. I know. Yeah, it's sad stuff. I also have a lot of good Christmas memories. It's my favorite Mm -hmm. time of year because of those memories. I know, same. Okay, so as I said in the intro, the silent Christmases lasted 30 years. And this whole thing is resolved in like the strangest way. (laughs) So in 1991, we had the collapse of the Soviet Union, which also meant that communism took a hit as well. The religious designation of Cuba transitioned from atheist to more secular, and citizens were allowed to practice religion openly again. But it wasn't until 1997, so six years later, when Pope John Paul II announced that he was visiting Cuba the upcoming year that Fidel Castro reinstated Christmas for that one year only. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Gotta pull out all the stops for the Pope. I know. And I'm not sure whether he forgot to cancel it again or if he just had such a blast that year that he pretended to forget. (laughs) But after the Pope's visit in 1998, Christmas became a national holiday once again. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) And I really like to think of Pope John Paul as Cindy Lou Who in this Grinch parallel. (laughs) Yeah, he's a total Cindy Lou Who. (laughs) So today, Christmas continues to be celebrated, but for many, it's still considered somewhat of a new holiday. Gift-giving or the commercialization aspect isn't as big of a deal as it is in other areas of the world, and the focus is more on family time and food, as I think it really should be. For sure, especially in this economy. (laughs) Although food is outrageous right now. I know. (laughs) Mostly on family this year. (laughs) Might be cheaper to just buy gifts. (laughs) (laughs) lettuce is nine dollars i know i can't i know (laughs) can't believe it even a single head of iceberg is five dollars i know it's outrageous oh no salads this christmas don't buy iceberg there's literally very little nutritional value in there yeah oh my gosh you gotta go with like something dense like spinach i know but that's the thing spinach and kale are still kind of reasonably priced compared to the romaine and iceberg situation. I know. I've kind of I've kind of canceled salads for the time being and I'm doing like yeah. more pan fried exactly that kale and spinach and then just like putting it on like toast with an egg or something. Ooh, a nice warm salad for the season. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perfect. I think I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, tell me more about that sauteed kale. <laughs> Sprinkle of garlic. Mm. A little bit of lemon. So good. <laughs> okay. 
back to it. <laughs> okay, so Christmas Eve is called Noche Buena, which literally means the good night. And this is usually when families have their big meal and gathering. The traditional main is still the whole roast pig, usually served with plantains, black beans, cassava, rice, and veggies. Then dessert usually consists of rice or sweet potato puddings and bunuelos, which are like little Timbit donuts. Mmm. Sounds delicious. They look delicious. Dinner is often followed by midnight mass, and there are these like carnival-like street parties that happen beforehand, and these sound so fun. Kind of want to go to Cuba for Christmas one year and just experience this whole thing. But the legend is that in the 1800s, there was a priest in one of the towns who thought that people might fall asleep for church after their like big Christmas meal. So he assembled kids to run through the streets and make noise by banging pots and pans to keep everybody awake for church. Aww. So this parade and festival is now called Las Parandas. It usually starts a few hours before midnight mass, and it has evolved to include things like music, dancing, costumes, and even fireworks. That sounds like so much fun. Right? And like after your Christmas dinner and before church, like there's such a lull usually. Yeah. Bet everyone sleeps through church though. (laughs) (laughs) I know. This is so bad. I can't even believe I'm about to say this. But I used to wear an elastic on my wrist and snap it throughout. To stay awake? Throughout church to stay awake and stay focused. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Early ADHD hacks for you. I know. Yeah, that was well before I knew I had it. Yeah. (laughs) Focus. The largest celebration of the season continues to be New Year's Eve, though which was never canceled because it wasn't tied to religion. And it also coincides with the day of the 1959 revolution. So lastly, the sugar industry is still a big part of the Cuban economy, especially when it comes to rum. Hmm. However, in recent years, production has decreased a bit. Not because of holiday celebrations, but because of lack of inputs needed, like fertilizer, pesticides, fuel, and machinery. They're experiencing a hit like everybody else. Mm. They do still export other food products, though, like fish and seafood, vinegar, coffee, and dairy products, which were all bigger Canadian imports last year than sugar was. Mm. And that's the story of how the Grinch stole Cuban Christmas and how they got it back. Wow, thanks to the Pope. (laughs) That was awesome. And like, once again, I know I feel like we say this all the time, but how the heck have we never heard about the silent Christmases of Cuba? That's so cool. That's why I love this podcast. Yeah. We're learning so much. (laughs) And happy holidays, everyone. Yes. Happy holidays. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) And we'll be back on Boxing Day with another episode. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsavory. You can find all of the references and materials used to put this episode together in our show notes at unsavorypodcast.com. This is an independently produced podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would rate, review, follow, and share our show with your true crime and food-loving friends. This is the best way that you can support us for free. If you'd like to donate to our podcast, you can sign up as a donor through our Patreon link in our bio. 
For more information, follow us on Instagram at unsavorypodcast. If you have an idea for an episode or segment, email us at unsavorypod at gmail.com. This podcast was recorded and edited by Jeff Devine. Learn more at Jeff Divine Sound on Instagram. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.